Hello and welcome to Birdcast, a podcast looking at all iterations of Nigel Neal's Quatermass stories on film, TV and radio. This episode we conclude our look at Hammer's Quatermass 2 with writer and producer James Goss as we witness the trauma of Sid James being apparently shot in the face. We admire the inventive use of filler text and investigate if this really is the first use of the suffix to in a film title. We conclude the episode with James telling us about the time he interviewed Nigel Neal when he was a student at Oxford. He goes straight back to Lomax at, 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 at Scotland Yard. Um, but before then, at the establishing shot of the, uh, of the entrance to um, the reception in, in, in Scotland Yard, we meet Jimmy Hall, who's Sid James. Roger Del- Sidney James? Sorry, Sidney James. This is still early on. I mean, this is what, the same year as Hell Drivers. So he's still, but he's, he started Hancock now, yeah. hasn't he? So he has a a, com- a comedic air, but it's it's before carry-ons. So he's still seen as a bit of a character actor in it more than I mean, he would just go because of characters. He would now just be seen as a comedy, uh, lovable rogue, mm. um, socially acceptable sex pest, as, as 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 he would become. But then he's still he's still just working class every man in a in a, in a, in a, in a in a role, which I think like, Hancock sort of takes that as him as the as the con man, as the as the person always trying to, to, to do one over here. He's a he's a a drunk but well-meaning reporter. Yeah, it's very very strange seeing anybody from a Carry On film in any other role because you cannot see them other than their character, especially because they spent so much time playing characters called Sid. It's very, very strange because you, you almost can't register that he's actually giving a performance in this. You're just there. Oh, it's Sid James being be, great, being Sid James, and he isn't being Sid James. He's, no. yeah, he's, 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 he's playing. But whereas the TV series gives us the very refined, broadsheet yeah. journalist who's yeah. serious, and almost there's like you know, we wanted fuller love, but he, he, mm-hmm. he couldn't be here, so I'll 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 do this and do this and uh, wants to do things properly. Now he'd like like yeah. um, Sid James, Sidney James wants to meet people and see and then see the everything. He's got a apart. column and a half to fill before For, midnight, and it's something it's something as low brand as yeah. I just whatever you've got, whatever you've yeah. got, you've got your drunkards, whoever's in whoever's in the cells, I need a column and a half in the next five hours. Um, but he's introduced, makes some vacuous comments at, uh, at Brian Donlevy, and you like you know. Just like with probably the, the character of Quatermass, you can imagine Don Levy hated Sid James. Mm. I'm, I'm extrapolating that. Or I've known perhaps they, they loved each other as well, but it's like you know, the, you're wanting something with sort of heart and fun, uh, and this, this is, and it comes in through the through the uh, the character of the character of Jimmy Hall. But fundamentally, also, this is saying the press will be the good guys. Whoever else has been taken over, and we were, as we we're about to see in the scenes with the, like, the upper echelons of the police, we've seen in the TV series the, the government's been you know, taken over as well. But here, the press, the British press, is still it's all right. It's very, it'll, it'll, it's on your side, not on, not, not, not on the side of the aliens. And the, pre- the, the press has no agenda. No. They just want to uncover the truth, truth no matter how annoying the truth is. Wow. Uh, which is seems seems naively utopian now, doesn't it? A bit different. I will. I have a theory about Sid James, but we'll come on to that okay, in a bit. Because um, I want to talk about the police commissioner. Yes. Oh, yeah, there's a room as well. So Quatermass uh, goes in to see uh, Lomax, tells him the story, mm. and it's like, to be, you, need to, to, like, you need to convince the commissioner of the Metropolitan Police, the most senior policeman in the UK, that we have a serious problem and that operations of government are, fun- at least covertly or not, being taken over and funding something that's killing people in in a complex in 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 in, in, in Northumbria. And he goes in to see the commissioner, and as you see in a close up of the commissioner's hand in that the commissioner has been taken over as well, as he writes on his piece of paper that just has text test text. Now is the time for all good men. It's not the full, now is the time for all good men to come to the aid of the party. I think I saw it about three or four lines down yeah. in lowercase. There was, I could see a bit to come to, and I think it was, yeah. but yeah, there's, what's with that? Is, are we meant to think, he, well, all, all, all work and no play? Well, when or? I was a very, very, very young man, uh, 
I was taught how to use a manual typewriter. And there are two phrases that Betty Finney from next door told me how to use a manual typewriter. One is the quick brown fox jumps over and the other one is now is the time for all good men to come to the editor. So the quick brown fox, that's because it contains every letter yeah. in the alphabet. What's the thing about now is the time for all good men? It's just a standard phrase that you use when you're testing your typing. I see. I have no idea what its significance is, but it is sinister. It is. It's brilliantly sinister in this because it's, it's the fact that they've left off to come to the aid of the party. Because it's, it's very strange, because when you first hear it as a child, you just imagine it's a lot of people putting down their cocktail glasses and going, well, I guess we should come. But you, as an adult, you realise it, it, it has a sinister political sense to it. Uh, and the fact that it, it's been contracted in this to now is the time for all good men. And it's... Is it doing the same thing that All Work and No Play makes Jack a Dull yeah. Boy in The Shining? Yeah, it's, it's, it's the fact that you're seeing this repeated phrase and he's yeah. working really, really hard at his paperwork and the paperwork is meaningless. And, you know, I'm assuming or I'm inferring that actually it was just somebody on set going, there we go, here's a generic paper. Yeah. yeah. But it's so sinister, just the idea that nothing is actually happening. Nobody is running the country. It's all empty. Now is the time for all good men because there are no good men. That's, that's, it, that's an extra level of depth I didn't, it, I didn't it's a wonderfully sinister bit but also I suspect it's a wonderfully sinister bit that people watching it on VHS or on Channel 4 screenings would have completely missed <laughs> and now, now that we exist in an era of DVD and Blu-ray we, we can all lean forward and go I'm sorry what? why is that? that's a continuity oh, but it's now we can appreciate yeah. it at a, at a, at a level level so Lomax has to basically weakly fudge the issue as to why he's there yeah. uh, go back and say to Crouch Rose, everybody got the commissioner. Yeah. And they're not sure what to do. And at that moment, uh, Hall bursts in, pissed, saying, yeah. but he's like, in that slightly annoying, you know, loud way, he's mm -hmm. like, give me a story, and oh, Rocket Man, what's wrong with him? And he does, he, he does the drunk bit very well. Yeah. Way, Rocket Man! Well, like, sure. And describe you as the Rocket Man rather than that yeah. man who nearly killed the entire yeah. population of the planet, which yeah. is... Presumably there were you know, thought stories about that after well, There's a D notice put on that. It's quite difficult. Westminster Abbey's never been the same again. Yeah. I suppose it's... Maybe there's more um, deniability in the film version because in the TV series, it's implied that the Prime Minister makes a speech, isn't it, before Quatermass goes on and says, I'm sorry I fucked everything up. And he goes a really quite like, humble, like, I'm sorry, things are bad, prepare. Um, but... Uh, Don Levy doesn't. Don Levy's quite doesn't go on telly, so perhaps there's. there's, there's Could you imagine it? Televised apology. You're all gonna die now. It's not as well. Do something about it. We're the Martians because you're idiots. Hey, General Jimmy, what do you want? One and a half column. Not now, Jimmy. I'm Quite a man. The rocket man. Telephone all remembered. Will you leave us alone, please? What's the matter? Somebody pinches rocket. Jimmy, I wouldn't want to have you escorted out. Who's that? Crime reporter. He's harmless enough. Quatermass, if you could make it public, put it before the whole country, everything, all at once. You mean the press? It must be worth trying. Jimmy! Lomax, that man is in no condition. Listen, the drunk Jimmy Hall is clever. Sober, he's brilliant. I was going, I was going. Listen, Jimmy, you came here for a story. Well, you're going to get one. The biggest you've ever had in your life. That dictation speed. You have a car? Where are we going? To your base. Quatermass uh, takes him to, to the rocket group. Um, but I think this is a lovely moment again, which is... Uh, I'm not sure you'd have this even in the if the film version if 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 Neil wasn't involved, but Quatermass gives him all the story about you know they think they've you know they've Brand has discovered where the meteors are falling from. There's an asteroid on the the dark side of the Earth orbiting in a it's not what is he says a permanent state of eclipse in the Bieber in, variation in the Bieber variation sorry that's yeah which I still don't know really. I actually looked up Bieber variations because I was just like, this is too impossibly brilliantly named. And I don't know who made it up. Wow. I know. That's good. That's good as well. That's... Every time Justin Bieber sings, Nigel Neal is there clenching his arms. <laughs> <laughs> but he's given all the facts, and yet Hall basically says, look, this is all too highbrow, and I don't really understand yeah. it. And if I don't understand it, no one's going to give a shit. I get the bit that you're upset that your moon project has been built somewhere else as well. But all this about aliens, if I just go aliens and because this scientist says so, my aliens will fire me. So 
I want to talk to the people that are involved. So they go to yeah. back to... Now, this is my earned learning. Okay. Uh, you can tell I'm on wobbly ground here because I'm trying to use fancy phrases. But from this point on, drunks are in charge. So from the scene where we go from the rocket group with Hall and Lomax. As, as, soon, as, as soon as Hall turns up at the rocket group. Okay, from this scene. Because he turns around and he's holding his coffee cup and yeah. says, I wish there was... Some scotch in this, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, from, from watching Vel Guest's interview, he says, well, the thing about Brian is that Brian was absolutely fine in the mornings, but by the afternoons you'd realise that uh, there was brandy in his coffee cup. And weirdly, you know, this is halfway through the film, and we have Hall asking if he can have some spirits in his coffee cup. He is smashed. He is smashed from this point on, because they then take him to a pub, which is celebrating St. Patrick's Day with a lot of Irish labourers. So from this point on, the only sober person we meet in the film who is not possessed by an alien is the police chief. Everyone involved who isn't a zombie is smashed. Apart from theoretically Brandon Levy, who, as we know, Nigel Neal is aware of the man's appetites. So are we saying that apart from Lomax, every character who isn't possessed, or either every everyone who isn't possessed, either the character or the actor playing them is drunk? Yep. Apart from the man who launches the rocket at the end, and even then he's only on screen for a minute. Oh, a uh, brand. Yeah. Everyone's drunk. Everyone is smashed. It's kind of like um, drunk Shakespeare, but drunk science fiction. And thus, all the, all the, the rioting workers, yeah. they're all just blind pissed. Yeah. It's firing the end firing of guns. Day. You have people falling down. Yeah. Trying to do jigs yeah. badly. It's, it's insane because you just realise that this is, for them, it's the end of quite a long evening celebrating St. Patrick's Day. And all of a sudden, Quatermass turns up and says, well, you've all been invaded by aliens and you're about to be made unemployed by aliens. And clearly, instead of going looking for a kebab, they go, let's go smash the plant up. Mm. Everyone's drunk. And it's weird to forget that, but er also everyone is spirits drunk. Yeah, that's a, that's a very... That's a, right. that's a Partly I realised this, because obviously in tribute to Brandon Levy, I did watch the film drinking some very, very cheap scotch. <laughs> And I suddenly realised, God, everyone in this film is actually drunker than I am. Wait, if you do, I mean, if you watch the way, I mean, there's um, Beasts, you know, um, Dummy in Beasts, mm. uh, Bernard Horsfall, like he's like knocking back scotch, yeah. and he's like they're falling out, but, but like measures like that, yeah. if you try, like you would fall on the floor, you would be like you would pass out. The oh, level yeah. of like, knocking scotch back, and oh, I'm a bit pissed. Yeah. This isn't like I've had four pints and I've got to like play. This, I'm, I've got you know this much liquid. Half of which is pure ethanol in me as well. It's yeah, and these guys have got anti-tank guns, as yeah. we later on to find out, and machine guns. Oh, and uh, Don Levy pronounced when they're talking about the the the, the makeup of yeah, ammonia and uh, the, what the aliens breathe, methane. Uh, I've met Americans. I've never actually asked an American to say methane, but do they say methane? I think by this point, I think it's just saying that he can say any words. Is this space-time continuum? Mm. This is just—I've never seen this word. I don't don't know. they do continuum? Yeah, but it's they, when um, they, yeah, no, they do as well. Yeah. I mean, it's like poetry mispronouncing yeah. things because it's in the word. It's like methane. Have you seen the word methane? Yeah. I don't know. American is it as well? But that's that's always me. Oh, and we also missed out—they've been able to analyse the slime and realise it's an ammonia corrosive, and thus. The, not that it's much of a revelation, I think, at this point, but whatever they're producing in the, in the rats is it's poisonous to to human life. That black slime is deadly to every living thing on Earth. So it isn't synthetic food. On the contrary, Lomax, I think it is. Food for whatever is in those domes. Domes 200 feet high. So, as we've discussed, they go uh, back to Hemel Hempstead, uh, where we um, barge in on the latter stages of a St. Patrick's Day dance with the workers uh, on the plant. Uh, Percy Herbert is in there as, as Paddy. He's, I, I remember him, I just see him, in, he's in various carry-ons in sort of minor ways. He, he's, he's had, he had like a career of playing heavies or minor roles in, in so many things as well. I just spot him in things like he's, he gets, he's the barman in Carry-On Cowboys. 
Uh, oh, this. I, if it has sort of things with British character actors in them, I always I'd like to see them as well. And it's like doing a bad jig and don't, don't do yep. a jig. And then uh, Vera Day as, as, as she, who doesn't do a jig after, but just does a pointless dance to please to please people and everyone everyone likes it as well. You, you do see a lot of leg when she does that. I presume dance. that's that's the reason for it as well. There's something uh, something for the dads as, yeah. uh, for the, that are being made to watch sci-fi film for, for whatever reason but she's also clearly knocking it back oh yeah and well. having a, a wonderful evening and somebody suggests that she should do some work and she just goes and switches the jukebox on someone it's, uh, it's the guy the barman is Michael, is Michael Ripper who also turns up as the sergeant in Quatermass and the Pit TV now the sergeant who's in with um, you know, John Stratton who's the captain and he is the sergeant the one who has the funny turn uh, no, it's one of the soldiers, and the, sol- the, and the, the sergeant sort of re- uh, rebukes him for having a for, for ha- having a funny turn. Uh, that's him anyway, as well. Uh, also, the um, is it McLeod? You know, the guy who gets stuffed in the pipe. He's the same guy from the TV series. Yeah, it's the only one it turns up. Obviously, it's funny because he doesn't learn from two years from two years ago when he got stuffed in the pipe. They turn up at the uh, the end of the Paddy's Day um, celebrations. Quatermass is recognised by the secretary from earlier, um, but that's although while well, they're about to chuck them out and they're asking questions, that's when you get the they're about to lose their jobs. The plant's nearly finished, yeah. and the the reference to the the guards as zombies mm. that they are that that, that that they are different. Um, the film script is doing a lot of catching up here. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's been it's been seeded over. Yeah, I mean it's it's, re- it's racing through. It's only what eighty minutes long. The yeah. whole thing. It's it's a short film, um, and you. Sometimes you want to give it a bit more to breathe, but you can't. I think you you you, you can't really knock how much it it, it, keep, it keeps the excitement going. Um, Lomax tries to like gets them all to listen for the authority of a policeman, but the crucial point I think is when he gets Quatermass to just say, "Look, this is a terrible situation, that you're, and you have to deal with it." They don't want to deal. With. Drunk people don't. Yep. As we've done, as we've already discussed, people don't want to deal with big situations, let alone when they're drunk. But what saves them is. Um, then thank God a pretty blonde gets yes. attacked, and everybody goes, "That's it. We are going to go and smash up the factory." That's and that's I think what Hall gets to. It's the, it's the human angle. Once you understand, it particularly, there's a there's, there's something tangible. Like, Look, her neck. Like, yeah. Um, a piece of a meteorite falls yeah. through the roof and through the floor, but she she managed to pick it up. And this is probably a bit rushed in the film compared to the TV series. But oh, that's just an overshot. Yeah. Um, and the concept of the overshot, it's explained in more detail. They're told these things happen from the plant. They don't really know why, but don't worry about it. Um, and it's it is you know this is where the script gets its most Brexit in that people are refusing to admit expert knowledge yeah. they're just going on what because they told. don't want to it's and nobody's nobody said well how does a factory making synthetic food create meteorites or anything and the, they're just the like we have nearby. jobs we love jobs jobs good all fine and then you've got the dissenting voice of is it Jimmy who's just there go well we're about to lose our jobs we're about to lose our jobs oh Paddy Paddy there's the one yeah that's Percy yeah. Herbert's character yeah. yeah but then I mean he and he's only good. saying that because he's drunk yeah yeah, because he's told to shut yeah. up, isn't he? Yeah, because yeah. he's, he's drunk, presumably unlike everybody else at the end of St. Patrick's Day who's been, who's yeah. been drinking. Because he's handing out, he's not really a pie, he's handing out, you know, well, not scotch, because someone asks for scotch and is told you'll get Irish whiskey because it's, yeah. it's, it's Paddy's Day. Anyway, um, what's him? Sheila is infected. The guards turn up. Quatermass and Lomax make themselves scarce, but uh, Jimmy's phone decides to phone in the story and as we've already got from an earlier episode, the moment you use that phone, they know they're, yeah, and they it's, know, they're, they're it, on to you immediately. It's very creepy, but the thing's they're heading there anyway. Mm. The guards are heading there anyway. Because of, the, of the moonshot, yeah. yeah it's yeah. a pointless detail. Mm. It's very, very creepy in Overshot, the moment. Sorry. But it's, it's also the, the wonderful silent acting um, where Sid James is on the phone and you see one of the guards notice and start to turn. That's great. What gives it away is that he then nudges his friend... <laughs> And they both turn around and hold kind of like, ooh. <laughs> it's so sinister up until that little elbow nudge too far, uh, which is always a danger when you've got a non-speaking extra having to... He tr- who's, who's trying to have his moment. Yeah. And it, and you, even though he's got a mask. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder that... I mean, this gets an X certificate. I'm not entirely sure why. The only truly horrific thing is almost conceptual it's the, the pipe being blocked and you never you, you never yeah. see it you just, it's a horrific image in, 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 in your mind but um, 
there's no wounding on Sir James as he's, as he's no. machine gunned down. I mean, the first time as he's blown back, you could yeah. probably get away with it, yeah. but he slumps forward and then he's shot again. I know, and there's a in line. In the face. There's a line yes. later about they, they shot, shot his face. They, 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 they shot his face up. And you just go, well, he seems still on the phone. He looks like he's just passed out drunk. Yeah, and there's there's a weird sort of repetition with the man who is shot, and you see you do see blood after he's launched the rocket, and it's the oh Brand's death, yeah, 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 yeah. He's and he's like he's he's not yeah. dead as he then gets up, but he's covered in blood. Yeah, yeah so he's, he's, he's you still, feel his death. He's still working. There's a there's yeah. a real sense of the professionals keep on working as they're dying because work is so important. I like to think that Brand has basically kept this place yeah. going from all, from, all, from all the crap he's got from his boss who's just basically yeah. blown all the money and now, now he'll suffer from it. Brand's like work to keep, to keep this together and even as his dying moment, it's Brand that saves the earth. Yeah. Um, despite what happens with... I mean, Quaid just says just launch, launch, launch the rocket if you, don't, if, you, if you don't hear from him. These things arrive in stone containers. A form of meteorite. They've been coming for the past 18 months. The fool. Why doesn't he come out? If he lies low, he's got a chance. Contact with these things produces a violent infection. Sort of sting. I've just seen it happen. Stay on the line. I think I've been spotted. Get this quickly. This infection is widespread. So, traumatically, Sid James is killed. And that's different from... Roger Delgado doesn't die his, when he's one episode he phones the story and but gets taken over um, so presumably he's, 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 he's fine, he's fine, at, the fine at the end yeah. um, Lomax and Quatermass escape but he asks are we going back to London no we go, we're going to the plant and there's a, there's a curious weakness here because at this point the workers are clearly have realised that something's up because mm-hmm. the zombies have come in and machine gunned someone yeah. now at that point the zombies would turn around and then machine gun everyone. Yeah. Instead of which, everyone is left free to go and to go and what? Part. What do the zombies? Would they presumably just take Sheila away? Yeah. Um, but but leave them. Yeah. Which is which is a flaw. Yeah. In the TV, that the zombies turn up, but then all that happens is Roger Delgado is subtly infected at the back. Yeah. He does that good when you watch it back. He does that good reaction shot of realizing, oh fuck, I'm, I'm god. But there's no inherent threat. Because he then comes back, doesn't he, in phone, mm. phones, 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 story? And, yeah. and also in the TV version, it's not a pretty young blonde who's attacked. No, it's, no, there's not. It's a middle-aged woman, I think. So there's there's less of a sense of well, you know, they've yeah, got McLeod's wife, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's their wedding anniversary or something, rather than St Patrick's Day. It's, uh, it's, it's subtler on the TV, but yes, there, there so is yeah, that. that's that's true. There was no need to leave the the mob alive. They could have just. And then, as you point out, uh, Quatermass's moment of historically drunk driving. Uh, this is possibly my favourite moment of the of the film. He's looking to the right, presumably as we've driven down this road before, at, at the at, at the plant. Um, Lomax looks ahead to see, and we see a, a guard holding his hand up. Now it isn't a direct. Oh God, are they going to stop him? Oh God, is he going to move it? Quatermass just doesn't notice yeah. and literally runs him over, and it's bump, 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 up, up, and it's like, oh shit, I've killed someone. But there isn't. He doesn't. Act, he just runs out and basically nicks his uniform. And, yeah. anyways. and it's, it's wonderful because oh, you, you imagine the conversation in the yeah. car with Lomax. He's like, are you going to stop? And Quatermass yeah, is like, what? Oh, why? Yeah, you've run someone over. Oh. Yeah. No, you really I, should stop. I can use their uniform, and that's it as well. It's it, it's it's weird because it is a moment from the TV series, but it's like a tragic moment that's repeated as comedy. Yeah, uh, and it's actually a very very well done thing because you know you sort of know that he's running over a dummy, but it looks like he really has gone. For there's the extra. bump. There's the bump. Yeah, because it's yeah. they then cut to sort of a mid shot, yeah. don't they? Of, of both. Yeah. It's not uh, the guard hits the yeah. hits hits the sea, the windscreen and, and bounces off, or there's not a reaction mm. cutaway shot. You see bump bump and the car crush the life of the, of, 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 of the guard, and it's the soul and it's solely the fault of Quentin yeah. who then's only reaction is to brilliant. I can use his I can use his uniform. Uh, who are the man I've just killed, and hopefully you won't see the tire tracks across yep. across. Thank he's a large. Across, yes. I hope there aren't too many blood stains from that. Like, basically, it's a bit sticky on that, that bit, that bit as well. But he tells um, uh, Lomax that he's going to go back to the plant, and Lomax has to go back to London and find whoever, whoever, ah, this, whoever's not infected. I don't know. Given that we we later learn he's already told Brandt that if he doesn't hear from him, 
to launch the rocket. What does he really think Lomax is going to do? Because he says, go back to London and get help. Drive back to London in two hours. Well, two hours. I mean, yeah. notwithstanding that it's going to take him... Yeah. If, if we're assuming, for whatever reason, London is only two hours from London. It's going to take him two hours. So it's a four-hour round trip, assuming no, st- you know, no stopping when, you, when you're there. What practically is, is he expecting Lomax to do? He can't go to anyone unless he definitely knows. But luckily he needs some drunks. But so it, doesn't, it doesn't matter because Lomax, without, despite a hopeless situation, the first thing Lomax does is get 100 yards down the road, keeps, gets, in, gets stopped by a mob of the drunk workers deciding that they're going to um, have it out with the, the bosses at the plant. He gets out and says, they're not threatening to him, he gets out and says, go, go home. And they all go, we'll take your car, we'll turn your car around. Yeah. I like, I, in my head, because they surround the car, they're actually going to physically pick it up and turn it around, um, which is funny. But, you know, they weren't initially threatening. If they had just said, if it had just gone, oh, okay, fair enough, they'd have, they'd have probably let him, they'd have, they'd have let him through. Yeah. But the fact he tries to stop them means, no, we'll take your car. And they sort of heard the car ahead of them. But, you know, there, there is a real sense that everything is being accomplished by drunks. From this point on, it is the drunks who are in charge. Yeah. But is there is that is there a story about mobilising trades union or mob rule or? Well, clearly they're not unionised. No. Be- because they're paid so well, they probably don't know the need to be. Yeah. It's just the the leader is called a secretary, which just mm. makes well. As, but that's the trade unions as much that Soviet as a, as a. Nevertheless, how the they the people at the the, the plant or the guards attempt to put down the the insurrection is quite well, this is what the, after Czechoslovakia after this is how it can't be a coincidence that this is how look this is how the Soviets put down put down dissidents in the mid to late fifties that's out the machine guns and yeah for it. yeah for it but as you've already said they could have done that a lot more cleanly and quickly and efficiently in the hall Happy St Patrick's Day <laughs> But Quatermass is now disguised as a as a guard, and he gets finally we get he looks in looks yeah. into the room and we see for the first time. Very sinister horns. Yeah, it's a, it's one yeah. of one as well, but basically, yeah, in that looks basically just like an angry turd. Yes. So when he gets up, it's it's mass. It's like it reminds me if you've seen Flesh Gordon, like the the, the, the turd monsters. It's, no, not really, I haven't. No, it's I'd never recommend it, but it just that's what it reminds me. Obviously, it's it's not their their fault, and but like, that is. is the best that those monsters are going to look. Oh yeah, yeah it is because they're in their element. The moment you see yeah. them outside the the, the the plant, it's oh shit, literally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it doesn't. Well. But anyway, I quite like the reaction shot of Quater because yeah. even though he's in the mask, yeah. like, it's the best acting Don Levy does throughout the entire thing. He just does it with his eyes because that's all he's got. But him going fucking hell alerts the other guards that that might not be right. Yeah, and it's it, it's a lovely sinister moment. No, no lines. They just yeah. look at him. But unfortunately, that's my second remem- remembrance of Terror of the Vervoids. Because as they all three look at him, I think they look like the Megarans. Oh, they do? Yeah. Right, so. there, there is one curious thing, which again is a Terror of the Vervoids reference, in that all of the zombies have little air canisters on the yeah, back. Yeah. So you've got that vague idea, right? What are they breathing? Because they uh, are they sort of gradually becoming acclimatized to the Earth's environment, or is it ammonia? Is Quatermass in there going, "Oh my God, my eyes are streaming"? Because basically, I'm breathing wee. It's oh. very hard to work out what's going on there. Because presumably, the aliens take over the humans in order to survive in the atmosphere. Yeah. yeah. Um, how that works, we don't know, but they're, they're aliens. Um, but yeah, they've got something that suggests they're breathing, but yet they're they are breathing wee. It's, it's a curious sort of. Uh, it's it's never explored. It's vaguely a hangover from the original TV series, where mm. it turns out that that's what saves Quatermass's life. Everybody mm. else dies, mm. Mm. but Quatermass, because he happens to have a breathing mask, is yeah. fine. So they're about to presumably about to kill Quatermass, but the the demonstration at the gate causes causes a yep. dist- causes a distraction, um, and in specific in sorry in particularly bad planning. Um, I mean, in the TV series, they just basically rush the gate and there's the pressure, but um, they don't. In the, um, whether or not that's, that's Nicholas Courtney. 
Okay, I'm going to go for it. It probably isn't, but I really, really want it to be. I want, I want it, it to be. be yeah, it does sound you know, really, yeah. proper Brexit style. Okay, I'm going to believe, believe it. it. Yeah, particularly in a inefficient piece of planning is that whether or not it's Nicholas Courtney telling the guards to telling the crowd to, to stop or alerting that there's like 200 or 150 or whatever people at the gate, they're not getting through the gate, <laughs> and then a company vehicle appears behind them. And, and they go, well, they better open the gates. But open the gates. And um, that's, that's not sensible. I, I'm not... No, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not... I don't pretend to be hugely efficient on, on these matters. But this is the thing. You could kill them all. Given that you're about to say, shoot yeah. to kill, because they'll start to... Because yeah. they just piss and they don't care, they'll just take the guns. And there's confusion because the guards don't know whether to shoot or not. And before you all know it, they're being told to shoot now, but now the, the, the rioters have guns. You could have... Like, that's twice now you could have killed them all. In, in, like, you had them all in a, in a group. There's, there's an armed guards coming in from behind. They're caught between the devil and the deep blue sea, and that's that's. They've had this modem of efficiency, model efficiency all the way through. Where, as you said, their apparent omnipresence makes them look unbeatable. Wherever you are, and they, they are. I mean, it's a sh- it's beautifully shot, but yeah. it is shambolic. The last 15 minutes, you you are left with this impression that actually, when it comes down to it, they can't shoot. They can't organise a barricade or a fortress. And, and they allow them to barricade the the, 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 yeah. the workers to barricade themselves in the room that both has a healthy uh, cl- uh, supply of weapons and is able to kill uh, the aliens. That's, yeah. that's, you'd have guarded that room a bit better. When they have one guy in the guard, but he gets he gets shot. Oh, there's sorry, there's two. Uh, but then I suppose they haven't factored in Quatermass because they make it to that pressure room seemingly yeah. um, uh, by chance. Uh, Percy Herbert kills the, the guard that's there but as they go in two guards appear on the gantry yeah. it's about to kill them but then Quatermass turns up and shoots both those guards so that's yeah. I mean I'll forgive Quatermass a bit because they were going to kill and there is that guys. wonderfully awkward moment where he goes don't shoot, shoot. and then you've got ten seconds while he's taking yeah, his mask hang on a sec like, yeah. I, it'll be worth it I promise <laughs> like, just, just trust me on this it's not it's not it's me. and then they go wow it's the crazy drunk who shouted at us earlier we definitely shouldn't shoot here yeah there's, 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 there's it's easy to forget that it's like don't shoot it's Quatermass no, no, no. Fuck a Quatermass! <laughs> it can be anyone. They're not necessarily necessarily going to going to remember this. But now they're in the room and they have a breathing space. And like this is something that's you know it's, you see it in a lot of films. It's like you know uh, it's the room in Star Wars where they uh, where they where, where they don't dress as the stormtroopers. It's their safe room. Yeah. It's it's a Resident Evil safe room with a with a. And there is even music. that wonderful line about where if they threw a grenade in here, it would all be yeah blown to bits. And you go. Throw a grenade. Yeah. Any moment. As we'll come on to in a bit, there's like a fade in and a fade out, yeah. and it's like, what's going on? And they're like, you'd have thrown everything at that. At that, yeah. at that at and that, also, that. it's just a load of drunk men, and none of them is going. Do you know what? I can breathe with a weed. Yeah, I was in there. That's true. Yeah. Perhaps there is a toilet in there. I mean, yeah, just, 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 in the fourth wall is a. Is it's a steaming line, drunks line with bazookas. It's not going to end well. You'd probably you'd want you'd want to piss at at, at, at at some point. But Quatermass works out that. In this room, he can control levels. I think it's ammonia, methane, mm-hmm. whatever that is, and oxygen. And thus, as we've worked out, oxygen is inimical to the to the life of these these creatures. So basically, he pumps up the oxygen and just says, "Well, that's it." But it's going to take a while. It's going to take a while, which is what the line that every drama needs. Yeah, it'll take hours. A while. Yeah, I think so. Um, but don't worry, because I mean, that's when the biggest problem comes, because then. The drunk workers sit around and they'll get bored. Yeah, I mean that. And they want to, they want, they want to do something. That is the thing, because Quatermass has come up with a solution, but the problem is everyone's yeah. a little bit bickery and quite fighty. Yeah. If we all just sit here for three hours, it'll it'll be all right. But that involves sitting there doing nothing for three hours, and if you're drunk, you've drunk and you've got your adrenaline up, maybe that's that's not the best. But there, there is the again, it's wonderful in the script in the TV version that you know the the, the factory voice that assures them that I'm the voice of authority, and it's like you'll be allowed to go home, and then further action will be notified, and then it's like you'll you'll be fine, we'll look after you. You'll, you know, it's it, it's sort of this this attempt to reassert authority. It's kind of like the you know the the headmaster at school mm. issuing mm. an announcement. Yes, any boys who have been naughty must uh, come forward for detention and punishment will be fair. Well, there's something universal about, I know you've done wrong, but don't yep. worry, I forgive you, as a, as a get-out yep. that is appealing. I, I, that appeals to a lot of human people. Treated fairly, but I love the way that the voice can, starts to panic. Yeah. And then you have two voices, and one of them is completely unintelligible. And just appears to be squeaking and 
squittering in the background. It, it, it's just this wonderful idea. It's sort of like yeah, the, tell them there are no such thing as macro. Yeah, so it's yeah. that one as well. It's, yeah, it's the it's it's the it's the. You definitely won't be eaten. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't. You won't be burned. Yeah. So, um, but we also get seeded the line as well. I think it's quite a mass tells Lomax that if um, if they don't hear from if he doesn't hear from him, Brand back at the re- at, at, at Rocket Group is has orders to 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 look to launch. The nuclear apocalypse. Yes, the the uh, well, just it's not it's not a bomb. It's it's their spaceship that is so badly designed that it'll blow up horribly. That's handy. We're um, sending our Ford Cortina into space. space. But it's not a bomb. Uh, this particular asteroid that we've worked out yeah. where, where where the meters are coming from. So then, with uh, not much in the way in the way of pacing, we cut to the rocket group and we see Brand getting getting it ready with his colleague Peterson, who's Edwin Richfield. Oh my God! Yeah, it's Captain Hart from. Oh, wonderful. From and Mestor. Oh, I feel so sorry for him for that. Yeah, I yeah. mean, if you get if you if you've got a part like Captain Hart in in, in the Sea Devils, and then what? So just over ten years later, you're, do you want to go back and do another Doctor Who? Oh, I'd love to. Yeah. We'll have you as the villain this. Time. That's brilliant. That's another one as well. Here you go. Look at that. Peterson and Brent are going to launch uh, the one because he hasn't heard from from Quatermass. Uh, he's about to start the launch, which is really handily in the same room that Quatermass seems to work anyway. It's like that's because that, that's the room the model's in. Yeah. But the launch, that's the launch room as well, which is sort of sort of handy. I like the sort of Heath Robinson. I've open up some controls and like, oh, there's a I've got a plunger. Yeah. And I pull up and I'm like the uh, opening the case of like the, the, the which is how you put the fuel yeah. in. I'm sure there's the, there would be a separate room, but okay, as you say, there's. Because Quatermass keeps on talking about, I'm just going to go and visit Launch Control, which I wonder is a euphemism for, I'm just going to go to my secret drinking shed. Possibly, because he's been at the rocket, you have a bit of the start where he's been at the rocket all all night, but you're right in that um, so much of the interiors, it seems to reuse uh, a lot lot of the space, and you would think there'd be a separate room to just prep the launch in. It would be almost like a finale, a last last act. Because he's doing all the work himself. Because he picks up the phone, he says, we're going to launch the rocket. Mm. Don't question me, and slams the... You know, it's the one time when Lomax behaves like his boss. Mm. Uh, And yet... Brand. Brand. I'm sorry. This is the problem. They've all got surnames. uh, Yeah, it's true. No no one's called... Except Jimmy. Jimmy, the hall is... They're they're all just sort of slightly... You know, the reason why we can remember what Quatermass is is because it's an extraordinary name. Everybody else just has sort of like mediocre fill-in names. And no one calls him Bernard or even Professor. No. Anyway anyway through. Mr. He's called Mr. Quatermass at one point. Jesus. Early on. You just think, wow. Nobody really respects him. No. Which Which is fair enough. But then Marsh turns up. Now, yes. even though the fact they've got 24-hour security yep. and only people they can trust are on the gate because Quatermass yep. has made sure they've done that as well, Marsh turns up, which you could probably get through because yep. they're oh, it's Marsh, are you all right? Yeah, yeah, I'm yep. fine. Um, these are my friends. These, yeah, these are my black-clad friends. Yep. But you're right in that what could be uh, an awkward plot point is made effective by it's sinister. and It's like immediately they're there, even if they're just too late because they knock out Peterson and even though... Brand has been probably the most efficient, useful person in the story so far. He's brutally gunned down. Nevertheless, as they leave, he's just able... Well, he, no, he launches the rocket as they yeah. should, like in a Charlton Heston yeah. escape, so beneath the planet of the apes moment. As he, but then, as they leave, going, oh, we fucked that up. I'm not sure what they're going to do. I mean, I, if I was Marsh, I'd have tried to stay and press some controls and see, like, can I make it go off in a funny angle? Because, you know, we're remote controlling this. But they leave, and then... He's not quite dead, and he gets up and fiddles with some other... I'm just going to set the telemetry, smiling, and and as he falls out short, you can just see blood dripping out of the corner of his mouth. It's really grim. That's good, isn't it? Because he's he's sort of doing this weird, bleeding smile. Um, And it's it's quite lovely, but it it is the fact that he's just like, science, must do more science before death. Just enough. Best death ever. Must be, yeah. And meanwhile, Quatermass is there with a lot of drunks and high explosives. And it's, but we've had like basically a fade in and fade out, which suggests time has passed mm. and sod all's happened. Like, given they know that the aliens are now being killed by the oxygen, and now we know that Quatermass's backup plan is already yeah. in, 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 in place, they seem fairly lackadaisical about what, what they're going to do. And into the end, that they only just then send another message and just say, look, seriously, we'll, we'll, we'll. We'll let you go, and then McLeod, not learning from two years ago when he did this in the, on, on the telly, 
says, all right, if you, let, I want to see inside the plant. To check there definitely isn't something horrible inside there. Can I see inside it? And they say yes. And then he and Trigger's dad from Only Fools and Horses. Yeah, I did yeah. notice a Lloyd Pack in the credits, and I just thought that as an acting dynasty. Go out and say we're going to have a we're going to have a look. Quatermass says, Do you know, I don't. I, I think that's a bad idea. Can we just stick around? But you're right. Time is the enemy. That's why there's the fade out. They just basically, if we if we do nothing, they'll all freak. I think that's that's why they leave them to do nothing. Mm-hmm. If they just th- throw grenades in, obviously they win. But perhaps it would be too. They can do the psychology of just leaving them to to to, to, to destroy themselves. It's a very Nigel Neal thing. Humanity is its own. It is, enemy. yeah, yeah. It's that that misanthropic world as well. You can't have a room full of drunk white straight men without them. without basically Brexit yeah. happening. Yeah. So they go outside, and you have that lovely shot, which yeah, it's probably a main shot, but that which dwarfs them as they walk up to the. It's incredibly sinister. It does beg science. It also it doesn't fit with the the geography of what happens next, because the next thing you hear is a wrenching scream that comes through the pipe, and you're like, they're a mile away. Right, yeah, perhaps they go yeah. through them, or but also, they made it that far in the pipe after they were put down uh, there. And unless unless the aliens are using the pipe like a pea shooter, yeah, because the oxygen is being pumped in one direction and the blood is dribbling in another direction. And mm, it's clearly travelling through a mile way. of pipe. Yeah. So unless they're basically using popped up humans, like you remember those compressed air tubes you used to have in libraries for sending information around. Oh yeah, you still see them in like Sainsbury's, don't yeah. they? Or when they do the yeah, the vacuum tubes. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. it's odd because it's it's sort of the the most horrific thing from the, the original script. I remember reading. Really oh as yeah, a kid and in the TV and series, it it really stands out. Yeah. It's like oh, gross. It's but. And and they they've kept it, which I think is wonderful. Mm. And it doesn't quite work, but the fact not that they've in, kept it not in the same way because what happened is, as you know, the the pressure on the oxygen pipe has, has sharply increased. There's a, so much so that the uh, the pipe ruptures, blood drips from the pipe, and they're able to surmise that McLeod and I think it's Dawson uh, and whoever else went out with him have been pulped and stuffed in the pipe to 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 block it, um, which. If the aliens were hoping, well, that's that's the spirit broken. They don't know yeah, white, straight, angry men. It's one of the most amazing and sinister off-screen deaths in yeah. all of genre. Um, just because it's that whole thing about what happens to those men? Are they torn limb from limb, or yeah, does the just end just compressed, and just squeeze them, yeah, them into crushed. the pipe, just one after the other? Yeah, the fact Panicking you don't zombies, yeah, packing yeah. people. You know, the it, fact you don't know makes whatever yeah. is in your head infinitely worse than yeah. whatever. The, the, it, the, the, it, it's the just. Show. You know, one of those horrific deaths that occasionally you yeah. just go, oh, I'm going to have to spend some time thinking about that death. Which makes it. Which you makes know, sometimes I'll just be in Morrison's and that <laughs> death from Quatermaster will come back in my head and I'll just be like, you're ha- you're having how a did moment. they do that? Yeah, you're having a moment and everyone's yeah. wine and so I'm thinking of McLeod's death in, in Quatermaster. Yeah. But it is, it, it is honestly that powerful a death. But that galvanises panics, angers, whatever. The reaction is that um, they start shooting Outside. And as they've found a large cache of weapons inside the room with emergency weapons yeah. on, in, a, in a cupboard, which they crowbar open, which yeah. Percy Herbert has a joke about crowbarring with with a with a with a copper. That's, that, yeah, know, which is weird because I don't think at any point Lomax has ever actually said he is a policeman. They oh just no, no, start no. Record, he like, d- the, the when they're in the he just says uh, when he gets all the crowd in the in the bar to, to listen to him. This is, I'm a policeman. We don't have policemen. You, you do now. Yeah. So, right. So, yeah. Thank you. But it is the fact they just suddenly start calling him cop, and you're like, yeah, yeah. Right. It Perhaps it's trying to fit in the American. It's trying to fit mm. the American, American market. I don't know because it's not really the sort of thing. Uh, I don't know. Not the Percy Herbert would have been Irish, but um, it's not. It doesn't seem the sort of thing that. Anyway, in the cachet are basically anti-tank weapons, rockets, which I'm not quite sure what they were planning to use them for. Firing projectile missiles. In, in reality, it's an ore refinery. Either way, large, with large pressurized containers all around you and piping, what do you think those those anti tank those rockets were, were, were there for? Because I mean, I my only assumption is that they assume that at some point there might be armed resistance from not a group of drunks, but from the army, and that they might have to fight their way out and they just figured that this was a room that did need defending okay um, it's given the show I'm just wondering at like 
at what point you you caution against firing anti-tank rockets in that environment, even again, even if you were being overrun. But then I suppose that by the, maybe by that stage the plant's lost anyway. It just seems a bit a bit dangerous. Yeah, it's 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 very strange. But then you've got the guards already running around just shooting live ammunition near very very explosive pipes. True, so yeah. I think they they I think they've just got they a just very casual. Yeah. The upshot is uh, that um, Ernie, who's Michael Ripper, uh, fires an anti-tank rocket into one of the domes, rupturing it, causing it to blow open and the alien inside to be revealed. And then when we see another Rowan's right opened as well, isn't it? There's more than one. Mm. Like, there's three, isn't there, by, yep. the, by, by the end. But they only fire one rocket. Or do they fire more and we... Or did I miss that? No. He fires one, which explodes and then, them. And then I think they fire some machine guns. Which also ruptures the... I don't know. Or maybe it's just a big explosion, then it causes... The, then the explosion of the first one causes a chain, chain reaction. But either way, they make out. And they start to rampage. Yes, those yeah. giant creatures tearing through that metal like it's paper. Yeah. And then they bra- they smash the... Pa- the, um, uh, the, pre- the the pressure room door. Fortunately, it's only, it's only a back projection, so no debris falls with any depth. I uh, did think that was pretty impressive. Oh, it is as as well, because they have to grab, they all have to grab um, masks because a large amount of ammonia, huge amount of wee steam comes comes their way and they all have to grab masks from the guard, except the secretary who's who's overcome and they all run out and he gets shot, which feels a bit unnecessary. They're nearly out. The film's got two minutes left to go and the secretary gets shot. Yeah, there there is a strange sort of like, there's a couple of last minute death deaths because there's even a moment where somebody says well that was just a trap there's a very yeah. strange line of dialogue where it's like they're lured out into the open by the guards who can't shoot oh yeah and right, somebody yeah. says something really inconsequential like oh, it's just a trap and you go that doesn't fit no. with anything because they've already ruptured the gates now yeah. as well but also there's there's a weird sudden thing where so much of this external filming has been brilliant and then all of a sudden day for night is all gone to cop yeah yeah that's true and I don't know if it's something that, uh, if it ever gets a proper Blu-ray release, they'll actually work on the grading. But it's like one minute it's murky, the one minute it's broad daylight, and uh, and also the guards are just shooting and shooting and shooting, and it's you, you don't. There's really, only about five of them yeah. left, isn't there? there to, you to don't really know what's going on. And there's no one left at the gate. They smash out yeah. of the gate, and there's there's no one left. And they turn around and look back, and now. They seem to have grown the the, the, the giant monsters seem to have grown in size, but maybe that's just the the vagaries of the of the of the, of the scaling of the of, of the model. Now we know that they're not acclimatized and they're going yep. to die anyway, but it doesn't matter because at that moment, um, the rocket hits the asteroid, blows up, and whether via Gishout entity or I think it's the same because mm-hmm. they because it said the Quatermass says they'll 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 form together to become something very big, so. They all die, and then there's like a like a wind effect, like a like a it's like a nuclear explosion, isn't it? You see like a, the, the yeah. wind which knocks the car over, and apparently on on location, uh, Brian Don Levy's two pain. I loved that the yeah. idea of you know they they're watching it just sort of sit whirling in a vortex and going that's never going to come back down as well. But one of the things about that uh, the uh, nuclear winter yeah. that appears to happen the ammoniac nuclear winter is that there's there's that car with a zombie in it the oh, jeep yeah, yeah, with the yeah. zombie because they overpower him and then yeah. say don't throw him out because yeah. like, we need him to and prove. then they tip the jeep onto the side so they can shelter behind it leaving this poor guy exposed to the nuclear winter at the end he's completely fine and it's one of those things where you're just like that is so cold and the fact that he comes out a bit fine meanwhile everybody else is just hunkered behind I just think that it's just probably it's just a really really big wind yeah and it's it just it, he was alright in the end he was unconscious so he didn't know anything about it and so yeah. he, just, he just he just lay low like, then, like you know um, who's the voice who's the Patrick Allen like Patrick mm-hmm. Allen told you like if you're outside going if you're outside lie down yeah so he's like him he's lie down he's on, he's on flat and the nuclear winter happens over him the wee steam flies. and then and then he's told by um, two drunk Irish labourers who survived don't worry you'll be fine you'll be fine and you think 20 years on you can imagine all of the, the claims 
the come in from people the, who the, have Quatermass lungs. Yep. Or the, the post-traumatic stress disorder yeah. that you'd have on basically what, yeah. what have you carried out in, in these people's names with no control over your own, the loss of identity, the crimes you've committed. So basically say, well, that's, that's all that then. All the possessed people are seeming only, you know, we have this one example, we don't know if Marsh is fine, but we, we assume based on this one, one guard that all the infected people are returned to, um, to normal and they all go, well, that's that then. And Lomax bemoans the fact that you know his, his report will be a little unbelievable. Uh, it's for his final report, he says, and Quatermass, ever the person to bring the situation I'm down. So even, you're bringing this up. even more, just basically, if it is final, meaning I'm not sure it's done with you. Well, it's that weird thing with Quatermass. Yes. How final can it be? Yeah. And then they, they give the policeman that little laugh line of, hey! Yeah. And he's supposed to, you know, the the comedy surge of the orchestra comes and you go, oh, read the room. Yeah. We don't like, it's, and there's no, when I first saw it, and we hear was that, hey, I was expecting an epilogue scene. Yeah. Uh, things are back to normal. I, Quatermass doesn't know about yep. Marsh. He doesn't know that um, Brand's dead. Um, what members of the government were taken over and whether this come out, you know, uh, I expected, expected. There might be some sort of scene of you know, ah, oh, well now that's all done. I'm putting a you know putting a newspaper down yep. with like um, Hall's, Hall's report um, and like you know who's ever followed that up with uh, you know um, governments out government overturned or emergency powers or whatever, uh, and just going well it's good news to have the rocket funding back or something like you know to to bring everyone back. There's nothing there's just hey what and then the credits roll. There's there's, yeah. there's no there's no um, uh, closure. Yeah, that's it a very just, hammer thing, yeah. though, to just get yeah, to you know yeah. what, we're done. Yeah. You know what worries me? How am I going to make a final report about all this? What worries me is how final can it be? You, it's quite hard to work out whether or not Quatermass is validated, because, yes, his rocket did manage to take off, but also his rocket did blow up. Well, they did crash it into the yeah. asteroid. I mean, maybe that's that's so, that's why. You know, you can imagine that they'll be there going, well, it still blew up. We're not giving you any more funding. And he's there going, well, no, it was supposed to this time. <laughs> but I'd, I'd like to think that's maybe because that, like, there was no, there was, they were never going to do anything with it other than smash it into something, and therefore yeah. it was, it was, it was going to blow up. Of course, the the TV series opens with the Quatermass two blowing yeah. up, and then it's going the other one you've got. That's going to be and that's an, an awful lot of Australians dying die, yeah. horribly. Yeah, essentially, there's a nuclear explosion yes. in in somewhere in the outback. And yes, it, and there's Monica going. It seems terribly unfortunate, Daddy. Yes. Now this was released um, in the summer of '57 uh, with uh, and God created woman with Bridget Bardo. Which apparently did, went down a lot better than than Quatermass Two, which got a bit which got got a, got, got a bit mixed reviews. And just after this, Curse of Frankenstein came out and blew everything off the water. And Hammer just went, "That's where we're going. Gothic horror, yeah. sci-fi is out." Um, which we can use the staircase in the office. It'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. We, can, we can also make three films with the same set. Yeah, so we can we can double we can we can, we can double bank them. Very useful. Um, which meant that it would be. Uh, more than well, another ten years before they'd make they make quite a mess again. So, having looked back in depth at at, at quite a mess too, what we, what are your overriding thoughts about about this about this rediscovery? Is it do you still uh, you still love it? Is it still your favourite of the? It's still my favourite script. Of the, of the script. God. Even the script of the of the of the film. Oh no. 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 I mean that that's the shame. It's like the the original script that Neil wrote was just so superb and so chilling and you know there hasn't actually quite been one of those sort of like superstitious alien invasion invasion of the body snatchers kind of thing there's been nothing as good but there was well, nothing there was nothing before no. in terms of, and here it's not invasion of body snatchers the body snatch, the invasion's already taken place yeah. so far the, they're in place yeah, yeah it's, it's we're starting where invasion of body snatchers ends yeah. almost um so yeah, it's 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 certainly it's cer it's certainly groundbreaking, and it's it's just a shame that nobody has yet actually sat down and gone, I'm going to do this one properly, uh, which makes me feel a bit sad because it's it's sort of it's not like Doctor Who where you can actually walk away from a mediocre Doctor Who story and go, do you know what? I still love it. 
Mm. It, there's almost that slight feeling with the film of it's a little bit of an insult to Nigel Neal. Just just a little bit because it, it tried and it didn't quite get there. And you just think, would it be a much better film without Brian Don Levy in it? Don Levy? Don Levy? Who cares? Who cares? Do you mean without his Quatermass or just somebody else as Quatermass and you can do it without? Imagine it with Andre Morrell. Yeah. Or Andrew Keir. Yeah, Keir. Actually, was, any yeah. Quatermass. Even was it, was it Reginald Tate? Reg Tate was the first one, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Even dead Reg Tate. Yeah, even, when he's, even though he's yeah. dead, yeah. You know, just being wheeled slowly on would still be slightly less offensive than Quater arse. Did we come to any conclusion about this being the first film to have two in the title? I, I, I have done some research uh, using that academic tool uh, IMDb. Is there anything else? Uh, 1919 okay. released a film called Prostitution Do. Prostitution 2. Prostitution 2. Uh, with uh, the two eyes. Uh, but it is unclear whether that is simply the second reel of a film called Prostitution rather than a prostitute has Se- more prostituting. S- sequel. Yeah, there are some films prior to this that do have two in the title and appear to be sequels but they are mostly Asian cinema and therefore the title has been applied after oh it's been been so you know it was more like sort of uh, Mrs Wong has more problems in her marriage which is literally one of the entries Um, and they just rename it as Mrs Wong 2 so it's there is some justification for yep. this being the first. Nigel Neal's claim that he invented putting two in the title of a sequel seems to be borne out by IMDb. Is there nothing that man didn't influence? I know. Just every time, you know, Police Academy 2 came on the television yeah. again, he was that, ripping the side of his armchair. I can't it! believe what they did with sequels. Yeah. Didn't, I think, didn't Phil Coppola say once, like, The Godfather Part 2 is the first film to have this? And don't know Nigel Neal, damn it! Damn it! Yes. Mog goes what, running from the wanting to wanting to yep. sue Ford 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 Coppola. Uh, but God, you can imagine Ford Coppola just getting a letter from Nigel Neal yeah. and just going, "Who's <gasps> this? I'm just going to go and have a bit of a cry now." Getting Brian Don Levy to send it. Actually, no. By by, I think by 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 Godfather Part Two, Brian Don Levy wasn't in a position to go around and threaten Francis Ford Coppola. But but separate to your discovery of Quatermass, you did interview Nigel Neal, yes. didn't you? When I was a young student. How did that come about? Did you just literally write to him and ask him? Yes, it was, it was one of those things where I... Uh, th- this, this tells you the folly of youth. Uh, I, I was one of the editors of ISIS, the Oxford University magazine, which is now terribly unfortunately titled. Indeed, yeah. Previous editors include George Osborne. Strangely, every single issue uh, in the archives of ISIS as edited by George Osborne has strangely been removed. Does Philip Morris have them all? I bet you <laughs> somewhere in a crate. Um, but yes, in Sierra as, Leone. as as editor of ISIS, uh, I wrote to the BBC, Nigel Neal, care of the BBC, and some months later got a charming letter from Nigel Neal saying, "It's taken the bugger some time to find me," and you know had had tea with him and his wife and his cat, and he was and his home. Yes, lovely. Uh, and he was charm itself. And did you go with any particular angle in mind when, cause if, when this was a student? When, yes, when we was were this doing, in? we did an issue, I know it was terribly, terribly pompous, but we were do, Dennis Potter had just died, so we devoted an issue of a student magazine to the future of television, so we interviewed, you know, your, uh, oh, goodness me. Uh, who did the Biderbeck affair? Alan Plater. Mm. We interviewed Alan Plater, we interviewed a lot of other people mm. who were very, very influential in the world of television. And I went, well, let's also do the father of horror. And let's do the father of science fiction. Let's interview Nigel Neal. And, and uh, yeah, it was just very, very kind of him to give me an afternoon of his time. He seems to have been quite generous with stuff, with, with, with stuff like that as well. Like when, when people took the time with him as yes. well, he was, he, he, was, he, was, he, was, he was a generous time. Um, how did... Uh, what was your impression of him as you don't I know you said he was he was friendly to you in that as well but in terms of um, 
how he came across in the interview, what he said, what 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 what, what impression did you take away from from the man? Um, I think I was just really very busy being awestruck mm. because it was actual fucking Nigel Neal, mm. and there's no way that it couldn't be actual fucking Nigel Neal because the man was amazing. Um, but I I think overall there's there's a feeling that emerged from him of, of um, disappointment. Is is that he was disappointed? Not at me. No, no, not then. Um, but certainly, he, you know, an, an overall sense that uh, almost like he'd done all this, but he didn't quite get the recognition. Well, as I think, as when Mark Gatiss said in, in his death, like he's, you know, he's as important as he should have been as important as Dennis Potter as Bleasdale, mm-hmm. but because he was shoehorned into genre, yeah, television, then that, then that got. But of course. When the TV series were coming out, there wasn't genre television. This was cut. This was the line of duty of its of, yeah. of its time. This was the event television. This was the main series. This was um, this was cutting edge drama. And I think um, you know, where, whereas because I interviewed Alan Plater, whereas yeah. I chatted to Alan Plater about the fact that he'd written a Joan Hicks and Miss Marple, and he just hooted the lot. He really, really enjoyed it. Whereas I think I brought up with Nigel Neal the fact that you adapted The Woman in Black, and there was sort of a, a frowst that came over him. Even though Nigel Neal's adaptation of The Woman in Black, it's I would say is superior to the film version they made. It's superior to the novella. I think the one thing about the novella, um, I have strong feelings about Nigel Neal's The Woman in Black. <laughs> the one thing about the novella that takes you out is that it's it's done in flashback. And, yeah. it's, like, and it's like, that takes the immediacy out of it as well. There's none of that. And he you know, kips or yeah. he, he dies at, at the end. It's like, yeah, you're going to kill him off. It's, yeah. And it's, it's, it's an unrelenting. extraordinarily terrifying piece of work. You know, the, the idea that that was somebody's idea of, well, let's have a jolly woman in black Christmas special yeah. that ends with, as somebody pointed out, Miss Lemon, just that slow tracking shot of the woman in black coming towards and towards and towards, and even talking about it, I can feel the hair on the back. It's terrifying. But it's, it's the way that it feels like he watched all of those M.R. James ghost stories for Christmas yeah. and went, well, they're good. But I can be much better. And that's the thing about Nigel Noe, it's the fact that he looked at B-movie science fiction and went, well, that's all right, but I can be much better. And not less that it's like it's 90 minutes long. Yeah. I mean, all the Lawrence Gordon Clark stuff so are, are all great, but they're done in half an hour, yeah. generally, this as well. And then sometimes that's great because, you know, if the best thing about um, supernatural horror is is you don't know, and any explanation always just diminishes the power of a, of a ghost story. That's where it comes in. But the, this maintained over an hour and a half, it felt... It felt more epic, yeah. Had that had that similar, to real hopeless, terrifying quality. Yeah, just you know, the fact that whatever Nigel Neal did was brilliant. Mm. Uh, did you not talk to him? I mean, was it before he did like um, Sharp? Uh, do you know what? I don't think I was aware that he had uh, done. Because that was the nearest I think of to doing to doing Miss Marple into for doing someone else's series. Because famously, it's nothing like whatever Bernard Cornwall's story was, but. But I, it was it was weird. So I remember there were a lot of um, there were a lot of VHS cassettes. There was just wall after wall of just labelled VHS cassettes. And I'm trying to remember if Alien was on the wall. But there was sort of I was curious, just trying to work out what it was that he was talking about because he talked a lot about uh, his time writing scripts for Hollywood but didn't really elaborate and I wasn't really intelligent enough to ask because I was just sitting there going oh my god it's the man who invented Quatermass because um, there were several in the part I know mm. eight, Hollywood 3 Hollywood 3? Um, <laughs> Halloween, um, Halloween, Halloween 3 um, which he asked to have some probably unfortunate to take his name off of yeah which um, is a shame because it is a very good film and that, like yeah. and huge amount like Neil like the end of the ending stuff that's just like you know, the broadcasting through TV that's yeah. the end of Pit you know it's, you see you see yeah. the similar themes and this kind of as well it's, it's so good it's, obviously it's very different and if you're just there for the for the Michael Myers stuff then it's disappointing but, but it, it does what it what it does incredibly incredibly it, it does feel strange that yeah. um, you know there, there was there was clearly a point um, and it, it must have been quite strange because I think by that point his son had had success with the English passenger mm. And his wife was always incredibly successful, mm. and it must have been. A uh, okay, he, the, he's not appreciated in the right circles. Do you think? I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to find a way of phrasing it that 
doesn't sound rude, but it must be really weird having been you know this this genius at an early age who had this enormous impact on television, on science fiction, on film. And then all of a sudden you're there going, well, my, my son's written a book and that appears to be doing very well and my wife's books about cats have made her very, very famous. And he sat there going, and maybe at some point the phone will ring, the BBC have forgotten who I am. Mm. Which, you know, is, is an absolute tragedy. My thanks to James for his time. My thanks also to Una McCormack, Sarah Rubin at the BFI, Steve Horry and Andrew Kinnear. Burcast is presented by John Deere and Howard Ingham and is edited by Emma Cooper. You can visit our website at burcast.room207press.com, visit us on Facebook or on Twitter. It's at Burcast Calling. Thanks for listening. Thank you.